Thanks to Chill Tech for sponsoring this episode. Some of you have seen me use the Growcraft X3 330W LED grow light in several of my grows, and I love the results. The X3 is for a 2x4 grow space, but they have other Growcraft models for other size grow spaces such as the X1, X1 Mini, X3 Mini, and X6. These grow lights provide coverage for 2x2, 3x3, 4x4, and 5x5 grow spaces. Also, you can choose either a veg spectrum or a flowering full spectrum. Go to their website, chilledgrowlights.com, and use the discount code THESTASH15 to save on any of their products. And also put a link in the video description section below. A huge shout out to AC Infinity. They recently released their humidifier. This is an easy top fill system that allows you to adjust the moisture levels from the outside of your tent. It connects to the controller 69, which makes things so much easier to use. You can follow it on your app. You can see it from outside the tent without ever having to step inside. If you head over to acinfinity.com, use promo code THESTASH15, you can save a few dollars off not only the humidifier, but all of their products. And while you're at it, thank them for being a sponsor of today's video. Hey. hey. What's up? Welcome back from well, the Stash Podcast, baby. We in person. In person. Once hey. again. Live and direct. Another one, we guys. got a guest. Hey, How you doing, bro? Good to see you, here, man. Good to see you, bro. Good to see you, man. There it is. It happened. Let's go. We make anything happen around here. <laughs> we got Chris from, from Swank Tools out here, baby. We've talked. You've probably seen us swanking around over on Instagram. I know I have multiple times. Fanboying out here. People like, what the hell? We told him about this guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a cool fella I met. You know what I'm saying? We've talked about him multiple times. We've had different conversations relating back to conversations we had that I was like, man, finally, there's other people who actually believe in a similar you know, mentality in this industry and market, you know, which is amazing. That was super. I got you here, brother. Yeah, it's, uh, I appreciate it. You guys definitely push for this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's all, it's just funny because it happened over a random conversation at a dad bar. Right? <laughs> it's literally, so, it's, just it's hanging so, out at the bar, conversation. Yeah. And, that, and that conversation went on for about three and a half hours. It, yeah, was, a, it, it was a nice long one, man. Yeah. And yeah, the first time we met was last year at uh, High Rollers Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. And it was an incredible event, to say Hell the yeah. least. Shout out High saw Rollers, some big man. names. Shout out High Rollers, for sure. Yeah, saw some uh, awesome people come running through there. And uh, it was awesome yep. to meet you. And it was, it, it was awesome to hear your passion for this industry. Yeah. And I know that you're, you're pretty well involved in it. Um, but enough from me. Just a little bit who you are, where you're from, what gets you into the business. and Yeah, yeah. my name's here. Chris. Uh, Swank Tools is the company that you guys met me through, you know, which we are one of High Roller's sponsors and uh, supporters. And yeah, um, originally from Chicago, moved to Vegas in like 2007, 2008. And then uh, it's just, you know, always been a fan of smoking and, and the culture more than anything. It's that old school mindset of like share it if you got it and, and just trying to, to just get people to understand that it's not bad and it's not, there's no stigma around it or shouldn't be a stigma around it like there is, you know? And, and then, yeah, just over the years, dibbled and dabbled in various aspects of the industry and uh, ran and managed some like legal spots and, and just kind of dipped my toe in the legal market. It just was not for me, man. It's, it's a, it's just too, I think we, this is how we started the conversation at the high rollers. It's just too much of the blind leading the blind. It's too much of the uh, um, just just dead money. You know what I mean? People that have no concept of of how 
of what it really takes to make a product that people enjoy smoking and not just something that they're going to smoke strictly and only to get high. You know what I mean? Like, but so, yeah, I don't know. Like, so, so for me, it's just 15 years of being a, a stoner and 15 years of being somebody that's about this plant in every way possible. Like, yeah, it got me to present day. And then we, you know, I couldn't directly get into the industry. So we started a, a dab tool company because, you know, people like dab tools and dabbing and, yeah, that's kind of how we got there. Yeah, huge fan. Huge <laughs> fan of dabbing, huge fan of dab tools and the art yeah. that comes out of it and the, yeah. the expression. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And my pops makes all the tools. So, um, you know, he's 73 and he was he retired. And like a few years ago, I was just like, yo, you want to make dab tools? And he's like, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's it's used for smoking, you know? And he was like, all right. So I brought him some from other makers. And, and he was like, yeah, we could do a spin on this. And like, at like 70, he just like perks up out of like a 10 year retirement. And he's just, we buy some stuff, set him up like a, a woodworking shop in his garage, and he just gets to business and starts like cranking out these tools. And it was really cool, man. It was, it was, uh, he like the first one he made that actually kind of, I was like, yeah, I think we can do something with this. And then, yeah, we, we were able to, to brand and use that to, to get into the industry and connect with a lot of people like yourselves. And, and, and everybody, it was just our way to, to, to sec, like segue into the community indirectly you know because doing it through directly is pretty complicated yeah i would say the least yeah say the least uh, see and the thing is, is is finding that passion within this space and trying to monetize at the same time when there's a lot of big money that hinders the actual quality by just trying to get volume out trying to get big numbers in other areas that don't matter it's really disheartening for a lot of people yeah. so i can respect getting uh that that distaste in your mouth for the actual direct touching the plant side yeah. and i was honestly anti that for years now I'm working in the commercial space, but I'm trying to influence it. And that burnout is real, man. Yeah. You feel it. You definitely do. I understand that. Well, it's grindy, you know, because, like, in my opinion, there's really only two ways to scale a company. Either figure out a way to create value in something that people can get elsewhere, but because of what you bring to it, you're able to charge a premium for it. That justifies the extra work you put in to be that little bit better than the competition. Or you figure out how to cut costs. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the easier of the two ways. You know, it's, it's very hard to get somebody to go, hey, I know that you can buy beef 10 other places, but our beef is the best beef. And then when they try it, it actually is. And then when they cook it, it really does whatever. And it takes the seasoning the best or whatever. You know, it's like, it's very hard to do that. And it's just so much easier to be like, well, how can we refine, 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 refine? And eventually you just end up with nothing that's even close to what it was initially supposed to be or intended to be or what people desire, especially from this plant. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're hearing pig ass, like 68% pig ass. <laughs> I think that's where we're seeing the market too is a lot of people are putting stuff out. They don't mention it's sun-grown. They don't mention it's uh, harvested last year. They yeah. don't mention it's remediated. Yeah. It, but it's cheap. And the THC percentage is 30. Yeah. So, hey, it's a banger, you know, but it's it's a, a misconception that I feel like keeps getting pushed throughout. I mean, I thought it was just in Michigan. didn't realize it was heavy everywhere. It's heavy everywhere. it's heavy everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, the, the thought for – everybody just that's the first question i mean and, and the sad thing is that's that's how dispensaries buy is strictly and solely off of your thc numbers you know and it's just like well how do you how do you win in the legal market if if i test over or under 20 percent, or if i test over or under 30 percent, that's your guys's metric you know yeah and it's just yeah. like okay well that leaves no room for anybody that's artisan with it to do work because you're just putting a blanketed price point and because they have a monopoly like to me 
the dispensary, the retail side of the legal market in and of itself is a monopoly because at the end of the day, you can grow, grow, grow. But in most states, you can't sell, sell, sell as a grower unless you have a retail license. And in a lot of instances, it's it's hard to get vertically integrated in states where it's desirable to be. You know, it's yeah. like super easy to get vertically integrated in, in Oregon or, you know, like Michigan, even Michigan, yeah. like, um, but it's just like to do it in a place that actually has a large population, an active tourist population, a young, vibrant population that's interested in in this day and age because it's new and it's trendy, right? Like that costs a lot of money, you know? So it's like the the amount of people that are vertically integrated are getting less and less. And the ones that are, are now being bought up by VC firms and big money, which means that all the multi-state operators and all the truly vertically integrated ones are creating a monopoly through being, you know, ran and strictly driven by product or profit only, you know, it's, it's, it's just a crazy market. It's like it makes it so undesirable to even attempt to to grow and only grow. It's like if you can't get the, the retail, it's pointless. If you can't get extraction and manufacturing, it's pointless. Like you have to be integrated these days or just have a retail license and yeah. essentially screw the cultivator. Brings up great – yeah, brings up a lot of great points. <clears throat> uh, I kind of – I want to mention first though, it's, it, it's refreshing to hear somebody from the community, grassroots, incorporating family business – and people that are about the community for the community. I really feel like that's what's lacking in our industry. It was a green rush for people to run in and make a bunch of money off of our industry. Yeah. And you didn't need to know a darn thing about it to, yeah. to get your feet wet. Yeah. Now, to stay afloat, that's a different story. And, you know, it, it's kind of proving that bad, like horrible herb at an atrocious price isn't actually doing all that well. Um, when you say that you want to try to compete in a market where you've got high population, high tourism, it's also going to come with a high level of competition. Mm-hmm. How would you compete or what would you, you know, how would you manage or navigate through such a high competitive <clears throat> industry? Oh, I mean, like to me, I think that that's, that's the difficult part of navigating is that like, you're not going to compete with VC firms. You're not going to compete with this massive money that has the ability to just figure out how to, again, cut costs and cut the, cut the margins wherever they can to, or cut, the, cut all expenses wherever possible and automate as much as possible and do things as fast as possible to put out the quickest. Like you're, it's going to be hard to beat that out, you know? And, and so it's possible, but it comes from wanting to take that like craft IPA route, you know, or, or that just that high end route. It's that's that's to me the only like I said that's, that's the only two ways I believe you can scale a business is either figure out how to cut costs or figure out how to convince people that you have something that's unique enough in the market to justify your price point. You know, it's and that's a really hard pill to swallow and it's a really difficult thing to do. You know, it's because you have to first make people believe just that your product's good, and then you have to make them believe. Okay, well anybody can grow weed good once, but can you do it over? over and over and like the reality is that just takes time you know it's like it takes three months four months to grow a room out you know it's like so it takes time so establishing a good quality brand or name for yourself would be step one right yeah because if you if you can show yourself doing it correctly and 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 and, um um effectively and efficiently over and over and over again and people can trust that they can come back to you and get that same same product for that same price or maybe for a little bit more 
because it's craft, right? These people are putting their their elbow grease into it. It's quality control. That's right. That's right. I'll pay a little more for a craft beer or, yep. you know, I pay a little more at the farmer's market when I go and get grocery or vegetables because I know that Sheila or Tom, they put that time in, grew those vegetables, and I'm going to benefit from having no GMOs or no pesticides, yep. no nothing, right? Yeah, 100%. So peace of mind is worth to me paying that extra dollar, you know, and, yep. and so establishing a good name, good brand, that makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I would say, I would say, Post that, you know, and that in and of itself is a hard task to do. But if you can get to a point where you you have a following, you have people that truly support the brand, then from there it's just can you do that through multiple product lines underneath the same umbrella, you know, and then maintain that same quality control? Because at the end of the day, because, I mean, you just go to the grocery store. I mean, you go to the weed store. You go anywhere. Look at how much of the same thing there is. Like you can't even just buy jelly anymore. Like peanut butter and jelly, that's like a thirty-five minute decision. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Right? I mean, though. think about that. And now it's they like, blend the two and stuff. Like, man, yeah. there's it's a lot like of... at least a quarter of an aisle that's fifty feet long. Yeah, yeah, yeah easily. Like, yeah, like, easily. what are we doing here? Well, you know? I feel like when you're dealing with, uh, you know, the product like something like flour, you've got a shelf life that's different. Yeah. So if you don't have a way to to captivate that audience to come and make that purchase, it's going to sit on that shelf and it's going to degrade the quality of the product potentially. Yep. And then by the time they do get it, they're like. Psh, I knew this expensive stuff wasn't worth it. Yeah, it's, it's a bad like, representation. No, it, it, it was, but it just sat too long. And I feel like that's the big difference when you have uh, the brand that can already get the consumers to come in and get some, yeah. but that supply and demand have to meet at a good point. Yeah. Because if you over-demand and oversaturate it, you got fire that nobody wants. Yep. You know? Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of companies make the mistake of like putting customer experience on the back burner. Yeah. You know, again, they, they, they look at the margins – um, you know, they're, they're kind of focused on their product, at least maybe making it look good, but actually getting the customer's feedback on it. And, um, you know, you, you want that repetitive customers, right? You don't want to have one time and then and then they're gone, right? The end-to-end experience of the customer, I think a lot of companies neglect. Yeah. They should focus on it more. So the customer keeps on coming back and they keep on getting more business. Yeah. You know? thousand percent. Totally. I, I think that there's a disconnect between the people who – make decisions in a lot of these companies because they're not consumers. They have no idea what the target audience wants. They're looking at data from the year before, and they think that this is going to shape the next year's decisions. And, and in this community, like, it spreads like wildfire. I can't find Gorilla Glue anywhere. I've been talking about this for like four episodes because no one wants it anymore. But at one point, everybody wanted it. Runts, same thing. Everywhere. Things get hype and they disappear. But the funny thing is by the time they make it to the recreational market, they're fizzling out in the legacy market, yeah. or, you know, in, in the streets, essentially. And I think that's where it's chasing trends instead of setting trends. And instead of sending, setting a new standard, creating a new blueprint, they're following a shitty one from another state. Yep. And they're following some MSO that has no idea what they're doing, but their profit-loss statement looks pretty decent, you know? Which, let's be honest, it's really easy to pad those numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's super easy to pad those numbers. You know, so. I feel there, there's a lot of people, too, now when you're dealing with things like rosin, and other extracts where they're finding how terpenes are affecting their overall choice in what they're wanting. Yeah. I think flour is the the old wild, wild west in that sense where people are still looking at the THC and the look. Like, yeah. That's green, bud. That's basic. As we're like a lot of us, you know, hardcore consumers are trying to look for our traditional old green bud yeah. and are trying to look for that old gassy, diesel stuff <clears throat> yeah. instead of the, the desserts. But, well, the market doesn't seem to cater to that. You know, it's like people don't necessarily grow it because they assume that this is what's going to sell, but then all of a sudden it sits there for another year and it's like, well, you guys are chasing an old trend. Yeah. Instead of trying to set something new. Yeah. And I mean, and that to play off of that statement, I mean, that to me is 
where you can set yourself apart and try to compete is by trying to set trends and not follow them, you know? Which again, like, yeah, be unique, which is, it's like, it's such an easy conversation to have. It's so hard to implement. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing is that when, when this whole, when this whole market went legal, you had a bunch of businessmen and women getting into this industry that had no idea yeah. Anything about this? No, nothing. Nothing. Yep. They didn't even know that you know maybe two cycles to this. You know, veg and flour, and you know, oh crap, you got to cure it too and dry it. it like what that, in Canada, that's exactly what happened. Yep. They had no idea how to handle that. Yep. You know, they grew, they had these massive warehouses, but then had nowhere to dry it. Yep. Uh, it. It was a bunch of people that had no idea getting in and flooding in our industry when, in fact, there was already a market there. There was a. There's been a legacy market. There's been an economy established and ironed out. You know, the problem is, is that it wasn't the people that have been running this market that got involved on the other side. You know, I wouldn't want a doctor coming over to my house to be a mechanic. Yeah. And I don't want my mechanic to be my doctor. But could they work together to come up with possibly a great solution? I think so. I, I think that the, the business community needs the community. The community needs the business community. You know, I do think that they can work in tandem, yeah. but you can't have guys that know nothing about terpenes flavonoids you know growth rates making the decisions on flavonoids terpenes and growth rates you know right. that, that makes no sense to me yeah yeah especially when the, literally they're going by the logical fallacy of thc in, in pounds how much yeah. weight you're getting per light yep you know and and the thing is is you're looking at markets now where again extracts are hot so the weight of flour of that particular cultivar is becoming less and less relevant yeah in terms of your overall chemical extraction yield not yeah. using chemicals but i mean getting the cannabinoids and getting things that that's what's sought after. You know what I'm saying? 100%. So, again, as that trend becomes popular, these commercial industries are starting to, to find it, but it's a little too late because now you're being able to get it in the legacy market for a comparable price. But then they're hurting the legacy market growers by saying, screw it, we'll, we'll drop our, our margins. We'll get less money. Yeah. And they can afford to do that. Yeah. They can afford to go and buy a bunch of sun-grown that nobody, could, nobody wants or old bud and then process it and sell it. As where another person's like, man, we just grew all this top-tier stuff processed it and trying to get a you know a modest living out of it yeah. but meanwhile you're squeezing us as tight as you can so yeah. it's hurting that legacy market in places yeah but i mean i feel like that's the time where the brands that that can figure out ways to navigate through it that's when they're going to succeed the most that's when they're going to grab their foothold and lock in and they're going to be they're going to be that brand in 100 years they're going to be the next I hate comparing to designer, but at the end of the day, like some of these major designer brands, they have managed to to weather through the storm. And at the like to me, I don't know. Like this may sound this may sound like very niche minded, small minded in the sense of like the demographic, but rich people, they don't feel anything. Like when it comes to money, like like no, they don't have no soul. They're monsters. No, no, like no. When it comes to money, like there's they they don't feel anything for Business. money. So it's like, well, yes, but like to the point of like, it's the experience. If you choose correct, so if you choose to decide that you're going to attack a demographic of people where money truly doesn't matter, and you actually crack that code and get in, that's it. Like that's it. You've you're it. You're the next Gucci, the next Louis, you're the next Rolls Royce, the next Bentley, the next G five, Golfstream, like whatever. It's like you become that because you become their standard. And it's like I would much rather try to build brands that cater to that market, though it's a lot more of a difficult market to get into because those people don't 
they don't want to make somebody. They want to deal with people that are already made. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like when you can crack that code, it's like, that's it. You know, like you're in. Like anything you do is going to be supported by that niche amount of people that money truly doesn't matter to. And they make up such a large amount of the capital in this country and other countries. It's like, yeah, like you, it's niche, but it's not. Because once you're in, like that's where the real money's at. You know, like you can create anything. And as long as it's of the quality that they expect or exceed that, it's, you have a customer for life. Name the price. Yeah, yeah. name the price. Yeah. Well, well, Chanel's the, not struggling. You yeah. Know? Well, it's, it's, it's being able to reach into the micro demographic for the macro effect. Right. And I think that uh, that's well where. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I think that, you know, that's where, uh, you know, whether you say niche or niche, people say there's riches in the niches. And if you're able to dial in exactly what you're wanting to do. I got bars tonight, <laughs> two, two, baby. Two, two, I'm two, holding the mic. That's a good one. Two, I don't, <laughs> these guys are stuck. I'm, I'm free-flowing. The biggest difference, I feel like, with, with the product we have now is the fact that it's becoming a commodity. It's becoming a thing where it's like, ah, flowers, flowers, and this, that. It's when the new sexy stuff comes out. Yeah. The new version, the cool disposable cart, the drink. Then you know the new flavor. Then unless you got a new cultivar, it's just flour. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then all of a sudden, everybody somehow has that cultivar. Right. But then when they know it comes from this particular brand, they can trust it. Right. The problem is when that bland, that bland, that brand becomes bland. Bars. Bars. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It, it goes so far <laughs> and license out. They license themselves out. And again. I feel like I come off like an, an asshole because I sound disrespectful when I say anything negative about cookies. Okay. I, major respect for everything they do, burner and everything. But when you get so big, that quality control, this is where you really enlighten me on that thought process. The brand is the most attractive thing, but everybody wants that brand. Yeah. So how do you scale it and maintain the quality, maintain the thing that everyone knows, likes, and trusts your brand for, but scale? You know, like. And see, I believe that past a certain, now I'm still young in business. You know, but I would like to say that I have some under a good understanding and a solid base for it. And it's just like to me, I feel that there is a certain point where it tips, and you can't like you you no longer can you can't have fifty thousand employees and and a and a multi billion dollar industry going and, and try to act like you're going to to maintain the same quality control because you'd have to find thousands of you that think exactly how you think on maintaining things exactly at the caliber and the level you want to maintain. And so like to me, but I also think that that's why Gucci and Louie and Rolls, like they, they, these people, they put out small amounts of things. Like they're not making a lot of cars and a lot of bags and a lot of jets. They're hey, just finding a few people that'll spend a lot of money. They're replacing the volume of the object with the, with the amount of money that the person's willing to spend. You know what I mean? It's just like, and if you can do that, you don't need a lot. You don't need to scale. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that to me is the the fight against that. Is like, cool, yeah, go ahead, scale, scale as big as you want, bro. Get as many hundred thousand square foot facilities going. Get as many as much shit ass product as you want. No worries. I'm gonna do this thing that's literally a tenth the size of you and make ten times as much money as you. I'm gonna play devil's avocado. I love that. I love it. Okay. Uh, the thing that's is, is shit. that. I, yeah, I agree that at a certain point, when you're attempting to scale, you can lose track of of, of people that are going to carry that same vision, <laughs> carry that same vision, carry that same quality control, and that same ability to to, to keep your expectation. Yeah. But a McDonald's Big Mac tastes like a big McDonald's Big Mac in Japan, Australia, America, Canada, one of the largest corporate corporations on the planet mm -hmm. and I, I know that no matter where i am in the world i'm gonna get 
a Big Mac. Right. That's not to say that maybe one out of a million Big Macs has got spit on it. But I'm saying, it's, sorry, that's a bit extreme. But it's you know, a bit true, though. There's gonna be there's gonna be maybe a, a rotten bun. There's gonna be a piece of rotten lettuce. Mm-hmm. But but they've in, implemented a system of quality control and checks that it's not one person that's signing off on that hamburger. You've got seven people that spray the mustard, put the ketchup, put the bun, put the two pickles, put the cheese, and then it gets sent out at the end. So then to pl- apply that to the burner conversation. And not to shit on, I'm actually a huge fan of Burner. Uh, Where's this hoodie proud? I do. I, I, I was given, it was given it to me by Method Man, or uh, Red Man. Uh, it wasn't really. It was kind of thrown. A guy near it. thrown. Man, <laughs> <threw> it <down. laughs> I, had to t- I had to tackle a small, frail old lady for it. But, but I got it's, it. it's mine. Well, I wanna... but, but, but I've just, just to finish, I, I, I think that it, you know, I do believe that someone like Burner, someone in our industry, because I believe it's possible that you can, you can distribute a, uh, a GMO from Japan to Australia to Canada that's going to hit after decades or maybe, you know, if McDonald's has been around forever of, of endless quality control and repetition. I'm going to drop some bars on you real quick. I just have to. Nobody grows McDonald's burgers, <laughs> for one. They've Look. synthesized recipes that are to the T, and it's, I'm just saying, devil's avocado. Okay. One. But they do With, grow them because the cows are grown all over the world. Yeah, but I mean, the cows, uh, for the most part, a cow is a cow is a cow. As we're like a certain cultivar grown in different environments, different, and regulations in different places are different, right? So like in Michigan, how we have for moisture content versus Nevada versus California versus Oregon won't be exactly the same. How we're able to get away with certain testing other places can't will, will be different. And then also that facility that's growing it may not be like, hey, we're squirting out the pink goo that we got from headquarters that's over here, we were growing the pink goo. And we're hoping that it's the same formula. They gave it to us. We're trying it. But it's, our, our formula is a little different here. Uh, yeah, I yeah. feel like that's, that's where it's different with plants. <laughs> I mean, I've got... Wink's lost on this, but my, my analogy may be a little more detailed, but there's so many more variables with the plant versus the cow. I see, like, I, like, to play off of that, like, I guess to your McDonald's analogy, like... Yes, you're true. A Big Mac is a Big Mac no matter where you get it, but there's two things to that. One, what's the long-term effects of you eating that consistent Big Mac, right? And two, they're a true monopoly. <laughs> like, they literally manufacture the ovens that make their yep. food. They control. They buy the land. They own all the land that they build mm-hmm. them on. Like, when you franchise one of them for millions of dollars, you don't even own the land. So you're paying them their land. So they own all the real estate. They own all the buildings. They own all the ovens. They own all the food. They own all the farms that process everything. So, like, you can't really compare, bro, because that is a true monopoly. That's a true And that is well, everything that's bad about the cannabis industry. Okay, yeah. well, but if, if it was a true monopoly, A&W wouldn't exist. Burger King wouldn't exist. You know, every other burger shop wouldn't exist and make billions of dollars. But here's, here's my thing is I think, I, again, I, I hope for a system where it's like we could get consistency. As a grower, I want that genetic to be what I had the last time. But often enough, it doesn't work out that way. And that's, that's expression, and there's a whole science behind it. But, you know, it's like, why can't cookies own their lights, own their uh, warehouses, own the fucking employees, for crying out loud? You know, it's like to there's get... There's no incentive yet. To get to... Well, right, that, right, and like right. The, one state won't allow them. They have to partner with somebody. They can't just pull up, get a license, and have their own grow. They have right. to find a grow to partner with. Right. For now, at this... Like, McDonald's in 1940 had to do the exact same thing. He had to st- open up his well, own store. but I mean, store, not even business-wise. It means regulation-wise, though. Like, you can't... Like, Canada won't allow Burner to say, hey, I'm bringing my plants, my people... 
my everything. We're going to own everything there. They're going to say, no, you got to partner with somebody who lives here in Canada, who's a resident who already has a business license here. Like in Michigan, you could get a brand deal. You can get a license and get, you know, a certain percentage, but you can't be an out of state person and come here and just say, Hey, I know you've been a resident for so many years. Yeah. Like certain places have restrictions based on where it's at. Not all of them, but some states do where you have to be a resident X amount of time. So they'll come and partner with somebody who already is a resident. And that person usually is like, we've got to grow this and that. Someone will come in and say, yeah, this looks great. Here's our genetics. Grow them this way. And somehow this blueberry muffin is not the same. That's how it's screwed. Yeah. That's how it is. But that's not how it should be. No, no. By no means. I totally agree. But but like it takes, like I'm a person that even though like I definitely fall in the legacy, like I support the legacy market much more than I support the other market. I think it's fair to say we all do. Yeah. And I I personally think it's a cleaner market, a safer market, Mm -hmm. a better market. You know what I mean? Personally, you know, but I, I do, but I think that's only because there's no true oversight in the legal market. Every state operates differently. There's no federal guidelines. Like I'm a legacy guy that 1,000% thinks there should be federal legal, like federal legalization, and more importantly, federal governing. Now, will it suck? Thousand percent. But I would rather it just sucks one way instead of fifty. Yeah, then you got to relearn it to yeah. expand to the next place, and well, like and you think you, you got your ducks in a row. Because like you're saying, because if I don't live in that state, I need to be a resident for five years or seven years, or partner with somebody, or do a yeah. brand deal. It's like so. Once there's federal, once there's an oversight of just one suck. Because that's ultimately what it's going to be. <laughs> no, that's a great analogy. Yeah, like once yeah, there's just one analogy. suck, we yep. can figure out how to navigate around the one mm-hmm. suck to just make it work, and then we're good. You know, yeah. Pause. That's yeah. yeah. beautiful. Though. You're that, absolutely right. You're 100%. absolutely right. I think that's where, like, when you get to that point and you get into the legal market, you got to have that that real passion, that long term passion yeah. to be like, I'm going to put my head on the grind because nowadays, I guess, unless you're in a brand new state or brand new province, wherever you are, starting to grow, it's our, the green rush has kind of fizzled out in a lot of places. There's still money. But it's not like a, oh, my God, it's so sexy. I'm an investor. I'm going to throw $100 million at you with 40 other licenses in that same town. Like See, they're like, I, I don't think it has. You don't? No. Maybe in Michigan it has a little bit. Everybody's looking at the cost per, or the, the cost per ounce or the, the price per ounce, and they're like, there's no money. It's like, but we just had $2 billion in sales last year. Yeah. I think it's short-sightedness of these people who thought it was a, like a crypto pump and dump. Yeah. Like, I'll get in for three to five years, make $100 million, and we'll boogie. And it's like, no, that's a 10, 20 year plan, at least. Yeah. You know, I, I've been saying the 100 year thing forever. Where I'm like, who's going to be here in 100 years? This established brand that people know, like, and trust. We're like, this is, think about beer. Like, people literally only drink one brand forever, smoke cigarettes, one brand forever. Yeah. Never question what the quality is going to be. It's what it is. Yeah. For 100 fucking years. And I think that's where it'll come that point once regulation tightens up the, in a good way. Like, in terms of like not being so weird and, Different here, different here, different here. You get a pass here because you have enough money. You get a pass here because eh, you just fall on this because we need to be able to be PC about it, so to speak. And it's yeah. like we've got too many things that abuse a good system. And it's, it's hurting the, the medical market in a lot of places too where, like, people aren't renewing their cards. Caregivers are, are complaining and not hooking up their patients who are getting free product. And, well, and that's another crazy market, though. It's like where did the conversation of medical really go? Yeah, oh, yeah, now no one cares anymore. Exactly, bro. So it's like, though I'm not, like, I fully think, like, my mom has kidney disease, you know? And and so, like, as a as a person who personally knows somebody that cannabis helps, specifically more CBD, but cannabis as a whole. She smokes now. She never smoked before. My mom was the one when she catch me smoking when I was a teenager. She's like, never on my deathbed will I ever smoke with you. Right? <laughs> and, she's like, and then, like, but then time goes on, and she understands that 
that like as I've got more educated about it and had a better understanding that when she started to get sick and stuff, it's like, well, let's try this. And then these things would would help or whatever, you know? So it's like I totally see a medical and a medicinal value to it. And I think that that can never be overlooked. But societally speaking, I think that that's never been the thing that this industry has cared about as a whole. Trojan horse to push through. Correct. You know what I mean? And now now where's that talk? For glaucoma. Once we can have insurance cover it and the insurance companies can say, ah, it's $300 a gram to get, you know, here. Gonna be able to get all oh, the edible that helps you. It's only a thousand dollars. Nobody's really reason. saying, "Oh, this is medical grade stuff." Yeah, right. nobody cares anymore. You're literally having people. Anymore. That used to be the selling point to make it more expensive. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're like, "This is medical stuff." Now you can literally choose to move it from adult use to medical on your shelf at the dispensary. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In <laughs> fairness, though, there should be no difference. Let's be clear: right. there should be no. Difference. But the state cr- tries to create medical a difference. Yeah, they try medical to put fallacy. restrictions on the, the. Of course, in certain states, they try to put restrictions on the potency that you're allowed to have to limit that. I speak more in terms of That's quality. So Correct. Yeah, quality. I get you. Of course, like, regulation sucks. That because of yeah. regulation, yes, like, yes, you yes. couldn't create that even if you wanted to. Right. You're well, absolutely right. Like, they scrutiny. make a distinction. You're they darn force right. you to have a distinction. You're darn right. And especially when science is showing more and more how the whole entourage effect is a thing, and then it's like, wait, you're not letting me make a decision how it affects me. There's not enough studies that prove that you should know better than me. Yeah. That's the other fascinating thing about it too. Is it's like if you look at just the history of like the studies that have been going on in the last like 10, 15 years, it's like no two people are the same. The endocannabinoid system is incredibly sophisticated from my very, very minimal understanding of it, but it's extremely complex. And we have these CB1, I think it's CB1, CB2 receptors. And it's just like the fact that you and I can smoke the exact same thing. And I don't know how actually the science works, but our receptors are going to take in different cannabinoids through that same process just because of how our our anatomy is like that to me null and voids anybody trying to tell me what the terpenaline does or myrcene does or this does or that does it just it it broadens a conversation and to me lets me know that there's still so much we need to understand because it doesn't make sense why we can smoke the exact same strain same time same joint and feel completely different from one another and that's why nobody will get that McDonald's experience where every single right. burger is the exact same. Right. Yeah, because that's it's just so different. Yes, that's a beautiful that's full end of circle. That. That's oh, right. man. Great. Let's go. No, that was good. So if you're going to try to navigate the market, you're going to want a brand. Good, you want to be unique. You've got to have customer service. The passion has to be there. You've got to understand yeah. the plant. Anything that's just like, what are we missing? What are we missing? If someone's out there like, I, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm burning my gears, and I can't figure it out. You know, is it, is it the hustle? Is it determination? I mean, maybe this isn't a sound dickheadish of me, but I wish somebody would have told me this early on when I, quote, unquote, wanted to start being an entrepreneur, whether I knew that at the time or not. It's like sometimes it's okay to walk away. Mm-hmm. Like Sometimes it's okay to just be like, this isn't for me. You know, and like that's the really hard pill to swallow, but I can't tell you like, the few successes I've had in life are because of all the failures. And as, as crazy as this may sound, and I hope it doesn't, because at the end of the day, anybody that doesn't feel like this, to me, you're the crazy one. But I look forward to my failures. You know, like I, I don't, I honestly get almost in a state of depression after I succeed something short term. Like it's like, because you did it. So it's like if I've put all this energy and all this love and all this affection into this thing to amass it and make it something bigger than me, 
and I've sacrificed friendship and relationships and whatever I've sacrificed, right? And then we get there, and you're like, well, what's next? And it's, it's almost like I've learned to appreciate the journey. So, like, to the people that say, like, what now? I've been grinding. I've been trying. I've been doing this. It's like, have you really, though? Like, how much have you really been failing? How much have you been who – do you, who do you have around you? Is it a bunch of people that just want to big up, big up you because, like, you've known them for a long time? Do you go to them because you know that you're not going to get an honest opinion and instead they're going to make you feel good and you think that's going to fuel you in some way? Because at the end of the day, that's not the good thing. You want to go get honest feedback. And if it sucks, you want to be told it sucks because that's where you're going to sharpen your stone. You know, hey, fucking men, like, man. and that's that to me is that's that's that would be my answer to that is just keep going if you're really about it and it's going to suck. But at the end of that suck, success is at the other end of failure. Oh, yeah, you have way more failures in life than you are going to have yeah. successful. But it makes you appreciate the successes. Absolutely. It's never like, a loss, always a lesson, man. You got to fail life. forward, you know. And like, I think that's the biggest thing is like when you look at the things we've gone through so many trials and tribulations just with content and let alone life. But you, if you don't have hardships, you don't really have the gains, right? You know, just like working out. If you're just like lifting these little weights and right. casual, well, you're still gonna look like a bitch. Yeah. But if you're putting in the work and you're really doing the stuff to optimize your life, you'll see the gains. Hundred percent. Same with, with the the grind and business, man. Yeah. It's a great Major way to respect. cap it. Yeah. Expect failure, and appreciate the journey. You know, that's and that's appreciate it. Appreciate the failure. Sure. That's yeah. it. Learn that's those it. lessons, baby. There's lessons to be learned, that's man. Gold. Chris, that was. That was A1, man. That passion and that fire this is, is the conversation. exactly this is we knew. the conversation we had That's why last I bothered. year. I was like, man. bro, we're coming out to like, oh, thank you guys. It, man, it's, it, it's I rejuvenating. It was organic. Yeah. I, I want you yeah. to know that when I went home, I, I completely changed my opinion on the, 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 the perspective of those that are trying to get into, you know, I, I, you, you've shared that you have a passion and, 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 a, and a venture, an eventual goal to get into the legal market 100%. and and you know it, it, it refreshes my my appreciation for those that are going to provide a service to the people that understand how that service feels because that's how they want to be treated right so it's man hell of a hell of an episode hell of a conversation yeah. if uh, anyone wanted to get hold of uh, swank tools where would they get them yeah so on instagram it's just at swank tools uh s-w-a-n-k tools and then uh we also have a glass gallery and you know, we do like we're into like glass and stuff like that. So oh, that's dope. Um, yeah, that's. But I think that was a big old jewel. Like I thought you were coming here flexing on it. That is fire. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, so the Swank dope. collection. Um, and then, yeah, that's that. That's that. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. We'll make sure you'll see the other stuff. You'll see the other stuff. Don't worry about that. Okay? <laughs> that's it. We'll make sure that we leave links to everything down below. Man, seriously, thank you so much for oh, this. Thank you that guys. Was a lot of thank fun. you. I'm super glad we were able to do this together. It's cool. Perfect. Yeah, not yeah, 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 or whatever. Oh, that no, that's it. That's it. it guys, if you have Monto any questions for Chris, you have any questions for Swank Tools, you can leave them in the comment section below. We want to hear from you. We'll leave links to the website uh, or set to the Instagram in the description so they can find you. Dope. Man, thank you so much. That was thank a hell guys. of an epic. Thank you very much. On behalf cool. of myself, Chris, Mr. Grow It, Rob and Chris from Swank Tools. Wink in the back. You running the PCs. Infinity showing love. Shout out to them, the Stash 15. And check out, baby. You already know what it is. We appreciate you guys. <laughs> That's what it is. Peace out, everyone. Peace. Peace. Later, guys. Hell-